This is a GRDC podcast. I'm Sally Maguire and this is a GRDC podcast. Improving wheat yield and yield stability through better heat tolerance is the focus of research being undertaken at the University of Sydney's Plant Breeding Institute in Narrabri, New South Wales. GRDC has invested in the collaborative program between University of Sydney, Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development, Intergrain, and Agriculture Victoria. Professor Richard Trethoen and Dr. Rebecca Thistlewaite are part of the team of researchers and breeders. We began by talking about why this research is so important. Well, I think we all know that the climate is changing, it is getting warmer. And I know that we've all been lulled into a maybe a false sense of security here on the East Coast with the La Nina weather, but that's going to change. We know it's going to change. And when we're back to a more normal pattern, we're going to see those elevated temperatures that we are seeing in other parts of the world. You only have to see the evening news to see the devastation in South Asia and Europe with high temperatures this year. So all the models suggest that we are in for the same sorts of impacts into the future. So it is really important for us to do something about that and in all walks of life and particularly in agriculture. And I think we can make quite a lot of progress genetically in enhancing our crops for high temperature tolerance and wheat in particular. So we've been working for a while now on this and we've been trawling the world, looking for all sorts of diversity, bringing it into Australia, characterising it, recombining it into new materials and uh, using a genomic selection process to accumulate all that diversity and that diversity we then hand on to the breeders so with of course the genetic tools that they will use or need to incorporate that into new varieties so we see that yep it's going to be a really big issue heat tolerance it is already it will continue to be and it won't just be on productivity it'll also be on quality and that's the other thing we need to consider we know that heat shock will impact protein quality, which impacts the dough rheological properties, which may actually change the quality of our wheat in the marketplace globally. So there are are a lot of things that we have to consider. So now that we've heard the why, tell us about what you're undertaking, what, you know, the methodology of the research that you're undertaking into heat tolerant wheat. So as Richard said, we are trawling the world for all this different type of germplasm um, with genetic diversity and we're putting them into really large scale field trials here in Narrabri and then we're also planting them out in smaller trials across Australia. So we use the site here in Narrabri to train the material and train the algorithms to then predict the results at other sites around Australia. And the lines that do particularly well under dates of planting here in Narrabri, we then put them into our heat chambers, which are equipment that we use to try to bring the glasshouse to the field. So in this way, we're using them to provide a true representation of the germplasm that we're testing. And then from that, those that do really well in the heat chambers go into the glasshouse and we look at more of the mechanisms of tolerance and more of the in-depth physiological underpinnings of, of why these things are doing better than others. So has there been anything that's surprised you during the research so far? Yeah, some of the the traits that we've looked at, interesting to see that some are more important than others. So there is something to do with the waxiness on the outside of the plant that seems to have more of an impact than other things. We also look at post-harvest measurements that are much more crucial to the algorithms that we then produce. Things like screenings, which are the amount of small seed from a sample. Farmers will get 
docked for how much small seed is within a sample when they send it to market, and that's a direct result of heat stress. So we, um, we definitely need to make sure that screenings is considered in our algorithms. So at what stage does heat stress cause damage to the wheat? So multiple times, but we have in the past looked at a flowering heat stress. So a heat shock at flowering for about three days can have really severe impacts on yield. And this next project that we're looking at is looking more at grain filling. So even though it's a less sensitive stage, it still has a huge impact on yield, on final yield, and it really affects the way the grain fills within the head. So I'm going to talk to Richard a bit more about that. So just the projects that you have had underway, just talk to me about the difference, as Rebecca's just sort of flagged, between what you've been doing and now how you're going to look at grain filling a bit more. The initial research did focus on that reproductive stage, and that's, as Rebecca said, because it is more susceptible to high temperatures. That is clear. And we've made a lot of progress there because tolerance to high temperature at flowering means you have more grains. An intolerant cultivar does not produce as many grains, whereas a stress during that grain filling period it impacts the ability of the plant to fill its grain. So that's grain weight, that's more screenings. So we're really now focusing on that aspect. We think we've made a lot of progress around reproductive biology. It appears to be a very different genetics involved. So now we're going to try and put that together, the grain filling tolerance to high temperature with the reproductive tolerance to high temperature and that's going to really make us a strong and almost a peak bulletproof wheat if you like and uh, it's this stuff and the genetic tools to select back those genes that we're going to hand on to breeders and i have to say we have been doing this in partnership with agriculture victoria they have been providing some incredibly wonderful and very innovative biometrical support to the project and that has helped us make some real-time decisions Talk me through some of the innovative technologies that you've been using during these um, heat-tolerant wheat trials. They're very varied and we do change things up each year depending on what we're trying to look at and we are always looking for new things. But the main things that happen to be um, very important are drones. Drone technology is crucial for what we do, mainly because we um, need to consider the variable environment that we're working in to take lots and lots of measurements on thousands of plots each day, each year. So a drone can take a snapshot in time of what that environment and what that plot is doing at that very moment and when it comes to the you know the accuracy of the data that's really important so drones crucial we have physiological measurements that we need to take in the glass house so we've been using things like lycors to be able to measure photosynthesis and also cytometers that look at pollen fertility they're both very important pieces of equipment and then also our heat chambers they i mean they're crucial to the project they have been for so many years and we have evolved those units over the time that they've been around so they're continually improving we're continually improving them we're very happy with the way that they've turned out Tell me a bit more about the scale of these trials. So we have five key locations and we'll test up to 200 lines with high genomic estimated breeding values for heat tolerance in these other locations to validate the heat tolerance. Is it transferable into these other environments? And then from there, in our new project, we also have a collaboration with Intergrain. Intergrain are partners on this project and it is all about getting this learning. We've made a lot of progress. We now want to get this into the commercial sector. So once they've been through those five key locations and have performed well, they then end up at 40 locations in Intergrain's multi-environment trial network. And that's the real test. That's when we can see how they perform right across the environment. 
Okay, so what stage are you at at the moment with that? Well, we have material now for the first time this year in Intergrain's multi-environment trial system. So that's where we are. So we've come all the way from that initial concept to that hard work, understanding the variability, identifying the parents, recombining the diversity through crossing. And you will have seen Rebecca making crosses in the greenhouse where we do a lot of that to recombine this diversity. And we do that using the genetic knowledge that we have, these genomic estimated breeding values. That drives the crossing procedure. And because we are using our genomic understanding to drive the crossing, we do it very quickly. We reduce the breeding cycle time. So it's no longer five, six years. It's now two years. We go through a recombination phase every two years. So it really speeds up the whole process. So we've done all of that. We've tested stuff in key locations. We've identified these great lines that have really high levels of heat tolerance. And you know, for the first time this year, we've also planted them at Kananara in the Kimberley because that is a really hot environment. So we thought, let's put them up there and road test them in an environment like that. And when you look at all the climate models, the most dire predictions suggest that northern New South Wales, southern Queensland could be like Kananurra in the future. Let's say we don't mitigate or change the climate in any way. So by testing our most heat tolerant material there, we are really understanding just how strong the genetic tolerance is. And so far, it looks really good. We don't have the yield results in obviously yet, but I know Rebecca's been up there to have a look at it, and our heat tolerant material is looking fantastic, I have to say, compared to the checks. So we're very excited. We're at a really exciting point in this work because we're now working with the industry to get this out to growers. So is that what, as a researcher, success in this project looks like for you? Talk to me about, you know, the successes and outcomes and how that really translates for our Australian grain growers. Growers are the people that we're working for. They're the ones that we want to make it easier for them in the future and we definitely want to maintain sustainability of our crops long term. So being able to provide those tools to both the breeders and then eventually to the growers is crucial. And it's, as Richard said, it's what we've been able to do so far and it's what we will continue to do. That side up in Kununurra, as Richard mentioned, is incredible. The ones that can perform well in those environments will be so impactful for growers, not just in our region, but domestically and internationally as well. It has an impact globally. And so then where to next for this research or what comes next? Well, I think we need to keep moving on. I mean, I'm often asked, in 40 years' time, will we be growing wheat here at Narrabri? Very good question. And it all comes down to how we mitigate the effects of climate change because you know, the distribution of our crops will very much depend on that. And mitigating those impacts will all be about managing heat tolerance so producing wheats that are more resilient, that are more heat tolerant, also more water use efficient. We can't forget that. We're working on high temperature tolerance, but we do understand that it has to work in with better water use efficiency because often you have drought at the same time you have heat. And what we've tried to do is petition that out and look at heat alone because we can get a better understanding and then look at water use efficiency alone and then put them together. So I actually think going forward with this work, we need to continue to get our learning, this diversity, this knowledge, this technology now into the commercial sector because it's ready. And that's why we're working with Intergrain to get that out there. But I also think going forward, we need to work out how these gene systems interact with water use efficiency, the genes that control water use efficiency, so we can put the two together. And this is all about mitigating the impacts of climate change.
That was Professor Richard Trethoen and Dr Rebecca Thistlewaite, both from the University of Sydney's Plant Breeding Institute. This has been a GRDC podcast. I'm Sally Maguire. Thanks for listening. Listening.